Let's go to Luke chapter 6, verse 38. I'm going to read it from uh, two different versions. I'm going to talk today, the theme is going to be, The First Releases the Rest. The First Releases the Rest. Thank you so much. And in the Living Bible, Luke 6.38, is, it says, For if you give, you will get. Let me stop there a second. That's not talking about giving an offering. If you look at the chapter, it's talking about judging. So we're not talking about finance here. We're actually talking about our life, the way we give our life, the way we give our attitudes, our actions, uh, our talents, time, treasure. All of, all of that is encompassed in the principle of giving that which you expect to receive. The golden rule in Scripture is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. In other words, you can't expect to be nasty to people and expect people to be nice to you. That's not the scriptural principle. So Luke 6.38 says, For if you give, you will get. Your gift will return to you in full and overflowing measure. Press down, shaken together, and make room for more. And running over. Whatever measure you use to give, large or small, will be used to measure what is given back to you. One preacher one time said, it's like in heaven, uh, he sees you give, and he says, okay, Gabriel, uh, give me the wheelbarrow, because that person is very generous. And he heaps a wheelbarrow worth of blessings back to you because of your extreme generosity. Other people give like just a little, you know, teaspoon. Uh, Gabriel, give me that teaspoon over there. And he gives back the teaspoon that you gave. With the same measure, although it says here it's an overflowing measure, it's pressed down, shaken together, make room for more. So God never returns to you what you give. He always gives you back a lot more of what you sow. That could be good, it could be bad. Because if I'm nasty, I'm going to get a lot more nasty for my buck. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't see it that way, huh? Amen, we give, God gives more. Uh, be careful, because what are you giving? In Luke 6.38, the Amplified Version, I like that also, so I wanted to share it with you. It says, give and gifts will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. They will form a pouch, or rather they will pour into a pouch formed by your bosom of your robe. In the old days when they used to receive gifts, they used to take their robe and lift it up like that and form a pouch. And people used to give to the robe. They used to put it right in the robe and they used to carry out like that. See, so, so the, the, the writer is, 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 is looking in that scenario, and he's seeing the way God gives back to us. He says, we're going to have to lift up our robe because that's how God gives. He gives in full measure. And he says, the pouch formed by the bosom of your robe and used as a bag. For with the same measure you deal out, with the measure that you use when you confer benefits, say with me, benefits. When you confer benefits on others, it will be measured back to you. Uh, amen. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, dear Holy Spirit, I pray that you teach us today. Open up the eyes of our understanding, Lord, that we might uh, make this part of our life, our lifestyle, uh, my God. And we'll be, we'll be careful to give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Praise God. You may be seated, brethren. And one of the ways of, of really defeating the spirit of greed, which is pervasive everywhere. It's pervasive in business. Uh, I'll just say one name. Bernie Madoff. See, you see, that embodies the spirit of greed. And, and you could see the way all these people with the finance. How many of you have 401ks here? See, so you, so you know, somebody's handling that. Those guys that have been handling your funds, they're raking in the millions. And uh, as far as I know, two years ago, we lost half of our 401ks. 
two, two years ago, were you just dancing, you know? No, we were crying. <laughs> we were looking, oh my God, what in the world happened? They still got million dollar bonuses. That embodies the spirit of greed. But how do you defeat the spirit of greed? You become givers. You become generous in spite of what the economy is doing, in spite of what others are doing around us. Well, if you ain't doing it, I ain't going to do it either. Well, if you're going to be like them, you're going to suffer their you know, recompense, so to speak. There are repercussions to that. Today, Bernie Madoff is no longer in his Fifth Avenue penthouse. Where is ben Bernie Madoff today? He's in, he's in the, he's, yeah, exactly, the prison penthouse. Uh, I don't even think it's a penthouse. But what I'm saying is, is that there's, there's a spirit that runs contrary to what we see in the day. You know, every young lady wants to make a million dollars by becoming a dancer or entertainer. Every young man wants to rap and dance and make his way and make his first million by the time he's 18 years old. It's the wrong spirit. It's the wrong message we're sending, sending our children. It's wrong. That's not the way you make money. I am sorry. Only one young man or young, one young woman out of millions make it. What happens to the rest of the millions? They have to learn a good work ethic. They have to learn to get up early and study and go to school and, and, and get a business. A lot of these rappers only last a couple of years. Some of them not even. The other day, um, I saw on the news, Iran Barkley, he was a champion boxer. And you know, he's, he's living in a very simple place in Harlem and he was upset because somebody broke into his house and stole his belt, in his championship belt, and they returned it to him. Somebody bought it and actually returned it to him. They were very kind to do so. But it amazes me. This man at one point was flowing in the multiplied millions. So you can't depend on that. You can't depend on, you know, oh, I'm beautiful. I'll just I'll be a model. I'll make, you know, 100 million. Listen, for every beautiful face that makes it, millions don't. We have to learn principles of success. And scripturally, we need to put God first. So say, say to your neighbor, you need to put God first. Don't depend on the spirit of greed. Don't depend on the spirit of luck. How many of you, don't raise your hands. You spend multiplied dollars, investment you call it, on the big one. The mega. Anybody here won the mega? Don't forget the tithe. No, no, no. Oh, shucks. The truth of the matter is, you can't depend on these things, but yet they feed that to it. It's almost like we're hooked up, like we have an intravenous feeding of greed. But they're not really doing that because they want you to do better. They're doing that because they know if they get you to that place, they could take away all your money. Come make the big one. Go to Foxwood. They don't want you there to give you, you think they're going to give you their money? They're lying. They're lying wonders. And we fall for it. You know, how many buses go to Foxwoods and to Atlantic City every single weekend and during the week? And they're all excited. Oh, yeah, this week's the week. I could just feel it. And on the way back home on the bus, nobody's talking. They're broke, busted, and disgusted. But every single week, somewhere along the line, they tug at that greed string or that hope string. It's not going to work. We, we need to teach our children a good, solid work ethic. You got to get up early. You have to study hard. You have to get yourself a degree. You have to start thinking business, investment, uh, what can benefit humanity. Don't depend on that luck. Don't depend on maybe you have the perfect face. Uh, if, and if you're like 50 pounds wet, you know, you could really be a famous model. Of course, you got to be six foot five and 50 pounds. Yeah. 
Don't depend on these things. The Bible makes it very clear we have principles. Now, notice this. In the Amplified Version, it says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will they pour into. So there are people that God will touch to partner with you. See, this is why I really ask God every day, God, give me continued great grace and favor with the people I work with, people in industry. Just this last week, they invited me to a dinner, very ritzy dinner, very nice dinner, very generous people. And I so do appreciate uh, the fact that they allowed me to go to this uh, place. It was very nice. We sat about 20, 25 businessmen talking about how they can give back into community. I loved it. I saw how they were fighting the spirit of greed by being generous. They're very successful men. I looked around the table. Some of them very well to do. And what were they there for? Not to break another hundred million, but to see how they can give back to community. Is God going to bless them? Absolutely. Absolutely. But what I love about it is God connects people like that to people like us who are praying and seeking God and being faithful at our level and whatever we can do. And the partnerships are absolutely amazing in terms of what we can do together. But then another thing happens. God causes men, and when I say men, men and women, to partner with you and give back to you. It could be that promotion you've been looking for. It could be that business that you want to open and somebody wants to partner with you. It could be just a moment of wisdom, of mentorship. They have some understanding that you need. God will connect you to successful men and women. Amen. And that's another thing I say to you young men and women here today. You know, you've got to be very careful with your attitude. And I'm not doing this as a rebuke. I'm just saying, if you're going to go to an interview, you have to dress up. Dress up well. Go in with the business suits. Don't come in, you know what I'm saying? I need a job. You know what I'm saying? What do you got for me? I can't work Saturday. You know what I'm saying? I got to be with my friend. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to work. I guarantee you they're going to show you the door really, really fast. Because that's not reality. It's an image. And I, and I, I, I really respect young folk today because you got to deal with so many issues. So many people. Uh, that, that I mean, they're always criticizing you. They're always hurting, you know, words, biting words. You've got to get beyond that. You've got to break through that. There's a lot more in life than just that. We were just watching a program, just, just I think it was yesterday, the day before yesterday. Just sad. A young lady, she didn't get her way. Her parents uh, prohibited her from dating a, a criminal. So she just got a gun and shot the parents. So where's she going to be for the rest of her life? Well, I got my way. Yeah, they're not going to tell me where I get. Well, now you're going to be in the penitentiary, young lady, for the rest of your natural life. That's not the way things work. So it grieves me. But uh, us that are here, we need to not only understand the principles, but to teach them as, to as many young people as we can. I remember at age 15, I know I was going nowhere. I was nothing. And, and, and the kids around me, they were telling me terrible things, calling me horrible names, or inviting me to do terrible things. But when I showed up to the church, I had these young men and women, I'm sorry, the older men and women, the spiritual mothers and fathers, they grabbed me, man. They, 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 they took me under their bosom and they started speaking life to me. And, and even my, my wife's mother, who at that time, she was just a mentor to me. We were just friends. We went to school together. And she even sat down and opened up the Bible in her own living room. She was not a pastor in the sense of she didn't have a church, but she used her home as a ministry center. And she taught me the word of God at age 15. That took a young kid that had no hope and just shifted him, turned him around. 
We have that same benefit. So people, you need to open up your hearts. Open up your homes. Don't be uh, greedy with what you have or selfish. What Give. Give the word of God. Uh, give that perspective that's going to help them to, 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 to get on point. To get on the right road. Because there's so many divergent roads that lead away from God. It's sickening. It's scary what's happening today. And then to top it off, now they're, they're upping the ante, which they're trying to make Christianity illegal. They're attacking Christianity in every single venue, in every opportunity that they can. The very principles of God that is our anchor, they are now attacking. Why? Because they want everything to be ambiguous. Well, this is what I feel, so therefore it should be okay. Well, what if I feel like murdering? Is that okay? If I take the word of God away, which says you shall not murder, then who are you to tell me what I should do and what I shouldn't do? See, absent from the word of God, now who's going to make the decisions? Who's going to say what's wrong and what's right? A judge? Man, we don't know what we want. And we're going to push away the principles of the word of God? No, on the contrary, we need to shout them from the rooftops in this day. We need to be very active, very vocal, vociferous about the principles of the word of God. Get as many young folk and, and really help them. Because when they go to the universities, they're not going to get the word of God for the most part. They're going to get these professors that they're teaching our children all sorts of weird stuff, right. including um, uh, all types of odd, weird religions. They can teach that. But the only thing, Christianity, no. Amazing. But this is the day to be bold. Say to your neighbors, it's time to be bold. Hallelujah. So the source, according to this, for receiving is a seed sown, a gift given. God reveals this principle in Genesis chapter 8, where he said, as long as the world uh, endures, the law of sowing and reaping will endure. So a gift that I can give, a kind gesture, a smile. I want you all to smile at, or, to at least five people. Let me see how hard that is. Today. <laughs> Today. Now, this very moment. See, that wasn't hard. You use approximately anywhere from 14 to 21 muscles. Now I want you to frown. Frown at, at about at least five people. I didn't say smile. I said frown. Somebody's cracking up over there. No, frown. <laughs> it's hard to frown when you're smiling, right? But you know, it's a lot harder to frown. You use over 100 muscles to frown. It's hard work. It's easy to, to flow in God's spirit. You know, I often uh, see, uh, you know, I can visualize God smiling at me. And, you know, when I'm asking him the questions, when I'm going through my frustrations, I say, Lord, what am I going to do? I often imagine him just smiling. He says, my son, you know, just hear my voice. I have direction for you. Stop going this way. And sometimes, you know, I imagine him saying, you knucklehead, you stop. <laughs> you know, because I can be a knucklehead sometimes. So Luke, cha Luke chapter 8, verse 36 reveals the principle that we reap according to that which we sow. That's exciting. You know why it's exciting? Because what it's actually saying is I am the author of my harvest. I cannot complain about life and expect changes, but I can sow into my future and expect changes. I'm going to say that again. I cannot complain about life and expect changes, but I can sow into my future and expect changes. So if I don't like my job, I can sow to my better future. Where was I yesterday? Uh, Friday, I'm sorry. Friday, I was in class. Mm -hmm. I was studying. Next Friday, I will be studying again. 
probably next week after that, I'll be giving a class in the very same school that I'm studying in and making very good money at it and just enjoying the process, knowing that I'm sowing into my future. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. The other principle is what is sown first affects everything else. Say with me, what I sow first affects everything else. In Romans 11:16 it says if the first fruit is holy the lump is also holy if the root is holy so are the branches and that that's understandable my wife and I got together we got married we had children they are our offspring if you test their DNA it'll match with our DNA because since the root is holy or rather the root is Nazario the branches will be Nazario right so here it says if the root is holy the branches will also be holy. That is why, that is why the tithe and the first fruit are so important. Because they're talking about first things. Because first things always determines your priority. What is important to you, you will always manifest first. If your children are important, everything will be colored around your children. Everything will be, um, how can I say, everything will encircle your children. Your whole life will be determined by the priority you have to your children. I can't have a job work 12 hours a day for my children. Got to be there in the afternoon, got to cook. Got to make sure they're okay, right? Now, what, what if business is your priority? How does your business life, or how, how will your business life look? Well, you'll be up at work early, you'll be working weekends, you'll be flying here, flying there, business meetings, breakfast meetings, lunch meetings, everything's all about business, right? Because business is your priority. How many of you here love, love restaurants? All right, so probably you're going out to eat two, three, four times a week. Isn't it true? Night job with somebody say, I, I hear you, I hear you. I hear what you're saying, loud and clear. <laughs> what, what my wife are doing now is the more expensive it gets, we keep on balancing it. Before we used to go have two meals, you know, and a, and a soda or a drink, or uh, we would have a little coffee at the end or some tea and, and a dessert. Then after a while, it started getting more expensive, so we started cutting out the dessert. Well, we'll have dessert at home. Then it started getting a little more expensive, so now we only have one meal, and we have them cut it in half, and we share the meal. <laughs> then it got a little more expensive, and now we drink water and lemon <laughs> with the one meal. <laughs> I mean, very soon we'll just say, give us the appetizer, and, and the check will be done. You know, it's getting expensive. So we moderate according to expense. So, praise God for that. Thank God that we can do that. So, the tithe and the first fruit are very important. The tithe, as a tenth, represents the whole. And in our numerical system, you know that the tithe is tenth, right? That's what tithe means. It means tenth. And it's interesting that tenth, or ten, represents everything. Every, every numerical order. Because you go, you count from one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. After that is the second ten. 10 with 1, 10 with 2, 10 with 3, 11, 12, 13. So everything is tens, divided into tens. When you get to 100, what do you start again? The next 10. When you get to 1,000, the next 10. It's all based on 10. 10 represents the whole. That's why when we release the tithe unto the Lord, or we give the first to the Lord, it's a representation of our whole life. When God told Adam, Adam, I want you to enjoy the entire garden. Just go at it. Just have fun. Eat. Enjoy your life with Ephi in the garden. But you see that tree in the center? Don't touch that. 
That belongs to me. God has always withheld something to himself. He's always said there's something you cannot touch. And the reason why he does that, he wants to remind us that there is something that we must always remember God by. In other words, he is first in our life. Not only does he give us great abundance, but he says, that is mine. And you know what it is? The first. Now, my question to you, do you think Jesus was the first? Was Jesus important? Did Jesus die on the cross as an afterthought? No. no. It was God's absolute best given to man. See, it wasn't money. It was him. He gave himself. See, so that's why I, when I look at the tithe, I don't only look at it as 10% of my income. I look at it as what I can do first and present it to God first and giving him the lordship of my life. So the tithe and the first fruit, because the first fruit was... When they would get to a land, God would bless them with the land. He says, take the best portion of that and offer it up to God first. And God always wanted to see that. Not because he wanted it, because it, wasn't, it didn't go up to heaven. It stayed on earth. He just basically wanted to see where their heart was at. That's all. Because he's the owner of all of it. He's the one that created it. What can I give to God that he didn't create here on earth? $10? $10 is made with a material that comes from trees. He made the tree. Oh, give him a bar of gold. He made the gold. There is nothing on earth that we can give God that he didn't already create. Is that true or not? You sure? Say that again. Oh, thank you. There is nothing that we could give to God that he hasn't made. True? Sure? Ah, see, see, Brenda is thinking outside the box. Our hearts. He asks us for our hearts. He created the heart, but he, he gave us free will. We can decide pretty much to do whatever we please because he gave us that right. So he asks us for that, that partnership, that love. The way he loves us, he asks us to love him back. You see, and that's what most people are missing. It's not about, oh, I have to do this, I have to do this. No, he's asking for the biggest, most, the best thing we could give, our heart. Mm -hmm. That's how come people aren't happy if they marry just for money. I want your heart. When I got married to my wife, she took my heart. <laughs> and she always reminds me, I got your heart. <laughs> Deuteronomy. Uh, chapter 26, verse 1 through 11. I'm going to read this through you, uh, for you. You can read it up there with me. When you have entered, God is speaking to his people. And when you have entered the land, the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. And you have taken possess, possession of it and settled in it. Take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land the Lord your God has given you and put it in a basket. Then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name, the church, the temple, the tabernacle. And say to the priest in office at the time, say, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land your Lord swore to our forefathers to give us. The priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. And then you shall declare before the Lord your God, my father was a wandering Aramean. He went down to Egypt with a number of people and he lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, putting us to hard labor. 
Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice, and he saw our misery, our toil, our oppression. And so the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm, with great terror and miracles, miraculous signs and wonders. He brought us to this place. He gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, O Lord, have given me. Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow before him and you and the Levites and the aliens, in other words, foreigners among you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given you and your household. Notice it was a time of rejoicing. It was a time of worship. It was a time of acknowledgement that he has opened up the opportunity to have an inheritance. See, that's what we do. That's when we bring God our best, we worship him with it and he receives it. As a good worship, because it's the best that we have. A $10 offering is not going to cut it. Nothing less than your heart is going to count here. And then it, it, then they, it said here, rejoice with, with the Levites. Rejoice with the foreigners, that word aliens. So don't go saying, oh, the Bible says that there's aliens. You know, in other words, foreigners. It says, rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given you and your household. So that's why when we get together today, we rejoice. Yeah, but you know, I have a hard time. Well, excuse me, you have shoes? Excuse me, do you have a roof over your head? People, we, we need to understand that people in the world today, they don't have shoes. There's a ministry up. What's that? They can come to my house and get some. They can come to your house and get some. See, we're blessed. No, no, the truth of the matter is we are. When we compare ourselves to, the, to most of the world, we are rich. Very rich. I'm, I'm telling you, there's a line of millions of people that are waiting to take your place. So we need to get some perspective. We're very, very blessed. We're blessed to have been born or at least to have come to this place. So we need to be grateful to God and thank God. What strikes me is that this was, a, this was to be done first in the beginning. It wasn't an afterthought. It was to be done first. This was clearly an acknowledgement and recognition that He is Lord, our provider. The scriptures also speak of a specific abundant blessing in our future. It says in Proverbs 3, verse 9 through 10, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Honor the Lord. See, that's how we can honor the Lord. We honor Him by putting Him first in anything we produce. We honor Him first by giving Him our heart. And then here's what it says. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. See, notice how God, seeing our heart, will then say, here's a person I can move through, I can work through. Because sometimes, he's going to ask you to do some tough things. Christianity is not for wimps. It's a hard thing to be a Christian. It's not easy. When God calls you to people that are uh, pretty much, that don't care, that hate, that, 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 that have bad attitudes, and you're called to pray for them, you're called to love on them, you're called to be patient with them, that's not easy. That is not easy. When the enemy comes at you with both barrels, with two guns on, on either hand, and you, have, you stand there and you continue to trust God, that's not easy. When you love your God and you still, or rather when you lose your job and you still love your boss. When you go to work with, with, with hateful co-workers and you still pray for them and bless them. That's not easy. That's a hard thing to do. It takes the spirit of Christ in one. When you're not exactly sure what your future looks like, but you still dare to trust God. That's hard. Christianity is not for wimps. Hallelujah. Amen. 
And then Ezekiel 44, verse 30 says, The best of all the first fruit of any kind, every sacrifice of any kind from all your sacrifices, shall be the priests. Also, you shall give to the priest the first of your ground meal to cause a blessing to rest on your house. I love that. What we do in terms of our offering, in terms of our worship, in terms of our attitude, causes a blessing to rest upon our house. We're the ones that determine whether a blessing rests on our house or not. Oh God, please, please bless me. He says, read my word. I gave you the prescription to cause a blessing to rest upon your house. It's the law of first. The law of the first. What we do first. When we put God first in our lives. When we put his word first. His principles first in our lives. We cause a blessing to rest on our house. So if you love your house. Cause a blessing to rest on it. Hallelujah. Utilize the principles of God's words. Of word. Along with Luke 6.38 and many other verses. It confirms that the way I handle my increase. The way I handle that which comes to my hands. And my influence. You know all of you have an influence. Say to your neighbor. You are influence, an influencer. You are an influencer. You influence people. The way I use my influence. Determines the future harvest that will come my way. This principle is much misunderstood among people. And unfortunately, there are many preachers that abuse this principle for their own gain. So we need to understand it on our own. That's why you need to know this principle. That's why you need to understand it for yourself. So no man or no person or no program or no TV evangelist, whatever it might be, nobody can fool you. I know the word of God for myself. There are some people they'll challenge right now in 10 minutes. If you dial in, we'll give you the super 700, 800, 900 blessing. And if you add another $10 to it, I'll make sure I give another prayer. I'll give you the 50% blessing. And if you add another 25 to, within 10 minutes, hurry up because the door is closing. You've got to get on it when God is speaking. I'll give you another 30% blessing on top of that. And I listened to I said, oh, God. There are people listening to this right now. It's not about that. I mean, you want to give to a cause, amen, do so. But do so by knowledge and wisdom and revelation. Never give because you're, oh, I better give now. Because if I give now, I'm going to get in on the blessing. It's a secret, especially if it's a secret. Oh, this is only a secret. I'd be careful with that. Because everything in terms of God is always above board. Shining in the light. Evident to everybody. If it's the gospel, it's the gospel for everybody. If it's the gospel, it's got to work everywhere. Not just now, in five minutes, because you say so. Who do you think you are? Got to be very careful. Very, very careful. Hmm. There are different types of giving that produce different types of harvest. Like, for example, you have the tithe. You know, the tithe, according to Malachi, opens up the windows of heaven. There's the, the offering to ministry. Philippians 4, uh, verse 15 through 19. Paul said... Is I, I appreciate your giving and I'm excited about it, but you don't understand. It's going to cause a blessing to rest on your heads. You know, it, it's, it's going to cause a, a joy and rejoicing to come upon you. So if you read that, it'll explain how, how Paul was, was, was so excited for them. He says, this is for your benefit. When we, when we sow into ministry, it actually comes back to our benefit and to our family's benefit. According to the poor, the offering to the poor in Proverbs 19, it says that, that which we give to the poor, we're lending to the Lord, and the Lord repays. So whenever you, see, you, you minister to the poor, that's not going to go unnoticed. God records that. And somewhere down the future, God's going to bless you right back. 
At the point of your need. Uh, the first fruit, we know the first fruit, uh, it, it causes a blessing to rest upon our heads. It causes a blessing in our households. Uh, the, the missions, uh, Mark 30, it's a great, great blessing when we give to missions. So you could read these verses. Uh, I wanted to give them to you, uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 30, and it'll show you how, when we can give to different ways. It's almost like you like invest in stocks. Right now, if you're investing in gold, you know that there's a pullback happening, slight pullback, but you know somewhere around February, March, it's going to jump again, and it's probably going to hit new record highs. And, of course, the, the end of the year is going to be record highs. So any, anything you sow, let's say you go to GLD, or the ETF, G, GLD, you sow some money into that, you know by the end of the year, you're not going to have the same amount. What am I talking about? Okay, here's what I'm talking about. You can go to the corner store and play the number, and that's a chance. Yeah, you could, you could play uh, three, five, seven, right? Yo siempre juego el 357, for me. That's gambling. But when you know something is good, when you know something is growing and you invest on it, that's an investment. See, so I look at GLD right now, which symbolizes a grouping of gold stocks. So if I buy a stock right now, it's about 125, 125 bucks. So I buy a stock at 125 bucks. By the end of this year, it's going to be around 140 bucks, 150 bucks. See, so I take my money and I put it to work for me. These are investments I can make. But then right now, commodities are very good. Uh, corn and, 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 and food. Any stocks with food, they're invariably going to go up. Why? Uh, have you noticed lately that your food prices are going up? Yes. How about oil? Oil this year will go up. It's not out of the question to see gold, I'm sorry, oil going at $4. So if you're an investor, you'll take some money and buy some stocks. You'll study which stocks to buy, obviously the good ones, the good companies, and you'll invest in them. At the end of the year, you're going to have more money than you had when you first invested. Same thing in the kingdom of God. We invest in situations. We invest in opportunities. If there's a poor person that can't pay back, awesome. Because see, we're not uh, ministering to that poor person so that later on they're you know, beholden to us. No, we're ministering to them out of the love of God that, that is shed abroad in our hearts. It's an overflow of God's love to them. So we bless them. But God says, hmm, he invested in somebody who couldn't pay him back. So now I am going to make sure they are also blessed right back. So we look at situations like this, not as business people, but as ministry people. You see, as, as priests unto the Lord. And we share that which God has given us. So what's the significance? The significance of the first fruit principle. Well, number one, we're putting God first. That's the key, putting God first, giving Him our whole heart. Num uh, letter B, we're, we're, we must seek the kingdom of God first. That's one of the verses we need to memorize. C, He desires to fill our barns, and this is the process in which to activate His blessings. Are you getting it here? Yeah. Praise God. Take a look at that. You're even getting... See, now, let me ask you a question. Does this just automatically happen? Or did somebody have to actually... You didn't get my, my PowerPoint presentation? That's it. It's the background. Why? What happened? Oh, man. I made such an elaborate job. It was hard. I had to cut and paste, and I had to... Man, it made me do 100 jumping jacks. So I, it, oh, man. Now, we're playing with some new stuff. We, we want to make sure you always get a quality product as we're ministering here from, from the pulpit. We do this for you, but you can read it. That's what's important. And lastly, God demands first place in our lives because he gives us first. Uh, is Jesus important? 
Not only was he important, that's God's only son. And he, he said, I will go in flesh and I will deliver my people. That's the best he has for us. He demands the same for us. How many of you would love to marry a man or a woman, depending on what gender you are, uh, and, and that person only give you 50% in the marriage? You're giving him 100, but he's only going to give you 50, or she's only going to give you 50. How would you like that? Well, just as long as he has $300 million, I'll take it. I don't think so. I don't think so. I, you won't be happy. You'll be happy buying gold and silver and, you know, nice stuff. But after a while, a home loses its luster. You want 100% from your partner. God wants the same thing. He's not in it, in it just to date. He wants to marry. Right. Amen. Hallelujah. He marries his bride. So note how powerful this first fruit principle is. As, as an example, Adam and Eve were the first fruit of mankind. Think about it. God made them first. And their decision to disobey God affected the rest of humanity. The way the root went, the rest of the branches went. To this day, we're still suffering because of the sin of Adam. Why? Because it comes through the bloodline. Sin comes through the bloodline. Sin comes in our DNA. It's almost like we are predisposed to sin. My mother, used to, or she still says it, what I do with the right hand, I mess up with the left. There's a tendency, a proclivity to mess up the very good that we do. My God, Lord have mercy on us. So the first fruit is always a very important thing as it sets off the rest of the process. And we are in January 2011. That's why we're talking rededication now. I don't want to rededicate in June. I want to rededicate now. I want to give 2011 to God. Because I'm asking for God to bless the rest of my year. So I take this first month and I, and I study myself. I study what I've done right, what I've done wrong. What can I do right? Am I in the right spirit, the right mindset? Am I in a generous mindset? Am I giving my gifts, my talent, my time, my treasure to God? Is, is my talent flowing through God to humanity? You've got to ask yourself these questions now. Don't start thinking about this in August. Start thinking about it now. So God, uh, to answer that, that first fruit thing, he sent Jesus as a first fruit of a new breed of mankind. Well, he was a human like everybody else. Yeah, but his daddy was different. His daddy was different. Everybody was born of a man and woman. The, the Adam and Eve were father and mother of this generation. Jesus' mother was Mary, but Jesus' father was God. So it's a new sinless bloodline that comes forth because God is sinless and he was the father and then Jesus himself was sinless so he righted what Adam made wrong so the first fruit in Jesus now has the blessing whereas the first fruit in Adam unfortunately has the curse so when we come to Jesus when we're born again see most people don't understand that we're actually becoming part of a new family a family that's sinless wow so in our spirit man now, we're part of that, that DNA belongs to us. Now yes, our flesh, which is Adamic, will still struggle the rest of our lives. But our spirit man now, being born again, as it grows in the word, as it grows from grace to grace, as it grows from glory to glory, as it grows in its strength, it's able to tell the flesh, shut up, you obey me. 
See, that's how come we need to be patient with people that first come to the Lord. Because, you know, they'll still be smoking. Yeah, I love the Lord. Came to the Lord last week. Amen. Praise God. You continue to come to church. After a while, they're going to go, what am I doing with this? This is not helping me. Hallelujah. Flesh, what are you? Well, I want it. I want no. You actually start. It's like two people fighting against each other. Right. Have you? Have, that's never happened to you? You go, well, I want to do Well, no, you can't do that. God said, no, well, I don't care what God said. I don't care what my mother said. I don't care what my father said. I don't care what anybody said. I don't care what the Lord said. I just want to do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm spoiled. I want it. I want it. Really? It's serious. Our flesh acts like that. And our spirit man has to say, you finished? All right. Callate la boca. Shut up. You're not going to do it. We're like little kids. But we're learning that we can control the appetites of the flesh. The more spirit man grows in the word, in the knowledge of God, in the power of the Holy Spirit, the more we're able to tell our flesh, no, you're not going to date that numbskull. That guy is prison any day now. You understand? You start discerning what's right, what's wrong, and you start learning. You start breaking out of your old habits. Well, well, I want that cigarette. Well, you can't have it. <laughs> and actually, it's better for you. You know that Christians live healthier. I mean, those that listen to the Spirit of God and start breaking away from their bad habits, they live healthier, they live longer, they live happier. Really? See, because we get fooled with the world, we get fooled with the systems, we get caught up with it, and then we're all miserable, and then we want to run to daddy. Oh, daddy, I'm in trouble. Well, my daughter, I'm, I'm redeeming you every single week. You come back with the same stuff. You need to drop that. Well, you know, the guy comes, oh, God, bless me. Well, son, you know, I, I blessed you with a good job. What happened? Well, you know, they were just bad with me. Well, son, you've got to endure people. You know, and, well, I don't care. I don't, just bless me, that's all. Really, we, there's certain things that we have to catch. But we catch them when we start becoming more sensitive in our spirit man. As we embrace the new birth. As we embrace our new family. See, I am adopted in the spirit. I have a mom and dad. But in the spirit, I was adopted by the Lord Jesus Christ. I was adopted in Christ. I now belong to God's family. So that DNA part of me is now overwhelming the old system. Everything is brand new. So the last two verses I want to give you is... This first fruit principle, very important, because Jesus is the first fruit. Go to the next look. Jesus is the first fruit. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterwards those who are Christ at his coming. Those who are Christ, anybody that receives Christ is Christ's. So at his coming, he takes them with him. You see, so we don't have to fight for this because this was already won. He fought the fight and he won the battle. So now all that come to him, he takes with him. So I don't have to fight that fight. It was already fought. All I have to do is believe in him, receive his sacrifice, and be born again. And that's a miracle that happens. When we come to Christ, when we receive Christ, we're born again. And now he takes us at his coming. And now we're part after the first fruit. He's the first fruit. I am after that order. First the first fruit, and then the branches. You and I are the branches. The last verse. 
We are a type of first fruit. James 1.18 said, and it was of his own free will that he gave us birth as sons. See, that birth is not just the natural birth. It was that second birth. When we came to Christ, there was a new birth. He says, by his word of truth, so that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures, a sample of what he created to be consecrated to himself. Now, they're saying they were a type of first fruit because the disciples believed first. The apostles believed first. So they were the first fruits of the sons and daughters. And now we came later on because, of course, we were born later. But can you say that you're a new birth, new creation? Say, say it to your neighbor, I'm a new creation. So that's what God is doing. He's creating a new breed of humans. So as we reconsecrate, we just remember today that we are part of that order. It's, it's a divine order. It's, it's, it's a new breed of human. We are born again. Everything is brand new. Hallelujah. And I rejoice in that because that gives me hope. It gives me confidence. It gives me joy. Hallelujah. So I need to know, and I, I need to, in conclusion, I need to make sure I'm connected. So this is the question I want to ask you. Are you connected? Are you part of that family now? Have you been legally adopted to the family? And if you have been, then you need to shake some things off. Because in the year 2010, we had a lot of fights. You know, you come out of battle, right? And you go back to that central neutral place. You, know, you take off your hat. You put down your, your gun. And now it's time to get cleaned. You got to take a shower because you've been in the foxhole for a whole week. So you're dirty, you're messy because you haven't been in a war. You got to clean your gun, open it up, and clean the whole part of it. Make sure that it's nice and ready for battle, any battle in the future. But that's where we're at right now. We're back in the neutral zone. And so now we're taking a shower. We're, okay, what worked for me? While I was out there in battle, what worked for me this past year? While I was out there in the battle, what didn't work? What mistakes did I do that might have caused hurt or pain to, to, to my fellow soldier? You see, because what we do helps. What we don't do many times fails to help our fellow soldier. Right. So it's not just about coming on a Sunday while I did my duty. No, no, no. This is much more than that. Now that you're part of the family, anybody here, in a, let me say it this way. In a healthy family, they're brothers and sisters. Um, if something happens to your brother or your sister, won't you want to try to help? I'm talking about a healthy family, that they love each other, real tight family. You guys grow up. And one is going through a little difficulty. What are you going to do? If they're sick in the hospital, what are you going to do? If they're down in their luck, they lost their job, they need a little bit of financial help, are we going to help? Absolutely. We're not going to think twice about it. We're going to help. It's our family. It's blood. You know, it's blood. You know, familia, familia. Think about it. Same thing in the kingdom of God. We have gifts. We have talents. We have abilities. God given and God will highlight some things to you and, and most of us many times we go oh, this is terrible <sighs> anyway you just go live life like nothing ever happened no 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 we've got to assess what did we do right and what didn't we do right and so in this year of rededication do we have to rededicate I say yes we have to Number two, there are new challenges that are happening in the year 2011. So we have to get ready for the battle. How's your, your guns and your ammunition and all that other stuff? Are we prepped for battle? How's your prayer life? How's your word life? Did you memorize some scripture last year? In other words, did you add to your arsenal? Some of you that play games. 
you know, you're, you're masters of disaster <laughs> in the internet, right? So when you first start, they just give you a little pistol, right? Or, or, or like a whacking, you know, like something to hit somebody, or, or a knife. Start with something little, a little stubby knife. You got to stab them about 500 times before they, they lose enough energy and die, right? But then when you, after a while, you do enough, then they give you a new gun or a new, you know, a bigger, badder, uh, you know, weapon, right? Uh, which, what's the number two weapon you might get? Pistol. Pistol? Okay. You could tell he's been playing. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm just joking. But it's, it's true. It's the way it is. You just go from strength to strength in the games. That's understandable. But in the kingdom of God, it's the same way. We use what we have now. I have one verse. But come on, man. If you've been saved 10 years, you only still know that same one verse? It's time to get another verse. Amen. Some people, they know that, word, that one famous verse, Jesus wept. The shortest verse in the Bible. Amen. When we were kids in church, I came in as a teenager, but every single youth day or something like that, we used to have to, you know, say a verse. And I used to laugh because there was this group, there was the same one. Jesus wept. And they would say, that's always the same one. Never, never, nothing new. You know, but it's, it's sad because we do the very same thing many times. Did we learn some verses this week? See, the more verses you have in here, the more the Holy Spirit can testify through you. Yes. Hallelujah. Let's rededicate because it's going to allow the anointing of God to flow freely through us. And we need that. I'm telling you, there's a lot of opportunities and there's going to be a lot of challenges this year. But in our strength, in our unity, seeking God together, putting God first, I'm telling you, we are overcomers. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And because I know that, I don't care what comes, I know that God will have me to overcome. Let's all stand. Father, we thank you for your kindness. We thank you uh, for your love to us. We thank you for your word. And we thank you that you have given us life. We don't take life for granted. We realize that this is a very special time that we're living in. And many people need our help. Many people need ministry. So today we just rededicate our hearts to you. We, de we, we rededicate the gifts that you have placed within us, my God, whether it be a speaking gift, whether it be a teaching gift, whether it be a serving gift, an administrative gift, an organizational gift, a creative gift, whatever it may be, a shepherding gift, ministry gift, whatever it may be. Father, I pray that we might be able to share it with the world, with all of our hearts, that you might be in every single interaction, that they might receive life, that we might be able to confer benefits on others. I pray, Lord, open up the eyes of our understanding that we might be able to see any hindrance, anything that, that has come from the year 2010, has walked into the year 2011, and is still hindering us, or afflicting us, or hurting us in any way. I pray, Father, over your people this moment that you would heal them, that you would reveal to them the things they need to let go. Father, that we might re release any spirit of greed that might have uh, been a part of us, maybe through any deception or maybe through a relationship, whatever it may be, that is making us uh, think in a greedy fashion, where we would be uh, right now uh, complaining, oh man, I need more, I should have more, I don't know why I don't have more. And help us 
to be grateful for that which we already possess. And open up our eyes that we might be able to see the, the very blessings that you already placed in us, my God. So that we might be able to expose it in this day and share it with as many as possible. So as we give, we can receive later on for future ministry and to benefit even more people. We give you the praise for it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.